Cover. Monday, April 29, 2019. The morning after the Battle of Westeros. Uh, Winterfell, but close The enough. Battle of Winterfell. Arya Stark reigns supreme. I am Micah Wider. I don't watch Game of Thrones or give a shit. I am joined by Brad Key. What's up, Micah? Man, it's good to be back. I love when you ramble about things you don't know about. Yeah, what'd you do to watch last night? I turned on the television and then I watched it. Did you drink wine? Yes. That's good. I, I too drank wine, but I did it in the bathtub where I did not watch Game of Thrones because I am not a nerd. Interesting. Just to be clear, I want everybody who's about to come at me about how Game of Thrones is life and how it's the most important thing, just know that twice as many people watched the premiere of Roseanne last season when it came back on ABC than watched the first episode of Game of Thrones. Where did you see that? That cannot be true. It is true. Your show is for nerds, and you got three more episodes. So enjoy it. I'm not going to talk any more noise. Uh, I hope the humans sit on the throne or whatever. So congrats. <laughs> Tough break to the Night King or whatever. Spoiler-free. Sorry. I, I don't know what happened. I don't care. I saw the clip. The chick stabbed that guy, and then he exploded. So way to go. You're a fucking cuck. <laughs> hey, if you, if you aren't totally uh, irritated and infuriated with me, you should check out my other podcast, Mind of Micah. Good sell. We've good got some good there. content coming this week. We had good content last week, including a read of the week about Greg Popovich. If you're a basketball fan, you'll enjoy that. Uh, recorded with Brad's uh, fiance Wes. It was, she did a wonderful job. Yeah, people really seem to like it. Uh, this week, we've got Micah's mailbag coming with, hopefully, with very special guest coming tomorrow. I'll just leave it, leave it at that. Oh, look forward look to that, Micah's that mailbag. Hanger that that teaser boy. Yeah, a little teaser for the fam. Uh, we got a lot of hoops to talk about, so we're going to get right to it. No more ad reads, no more no more promo, no more trash. We're two minutes into the episode. Let's go. NBA playoffs yesterday afternoon. Rockets-Warriors. Rockets, Warriors. Rockets uh, lose to the Warriors 104-100. Uh, CP3 was ejected. The refs look to be the big story so far. I read several think pieces yesterday about how they're, this whole series could be about the officials. Uh, most, most sort of... Uh, in question was the Harden three-pointer that he thought he was fouled on. Yeah. Uh, he sort of like landed. It's hard to say. I don't know. Harden, after the game, said he won. He just wanted a fair chance with the refs. Uh, the Warriors basically laughed in his face in the press conference. Raymond said, I'm not hearing that. So that's where we are, which is really a shame because this should be the best two teams in basketball all season playing high-scoring, crazy games. Uh, close, crazy games uh, after a seven-game series last year, and instead it looks like we're just going to talk about the officiating. Which I sucks. don't see. That's not what we're going to do. I don't think it's that much of a shame. I think that there's an argument on both sides about whether or not that was a foul, especially that late in the game. Like there was a little bit of contact. It wasn't egregious. I, I mean, I could see both sides being upset about it. Big deal. Who cares? One of the James's quote. James Harden says, "Where is it?" Ooh, this is good radio. I just want a fair chance, man. Call the game how it's supposed to be called, and that's it. And I'll live with the results. James Harden. I don't know, man, if you want them to call it the way it's supposed to be called because you can't do three and four steps shuffle backs and two three-pointers and shit like that. Like, there's there's bull crap on both sides that's of right. the Especially the around the league. Like, the Rockets are largely considered the team that gets the that are maybe the hardest to officiate, but get, Harden especially is like the single player that 
players around the league thinks gets the, the most the calls. Easy, yeah, the most calls. He's on the free throw line all day long. He ha- he doesn't get called for travel ever. That being said, if you're going to come at somebody about like poor officiating or something that you don't agree with in the game and for it to be Draymond Green to clap back on you, you can just count on him making you sound silly or at least doing his best job to do so. So I wasn't very surprised to see him laugh that off. And, um, I mean, you got to be feeling good if you're if you're the Golden State Warriors. They they've been struggling at home. They lost two games to the Clippers at home in Oracle Arena. So this one was really really important to set the tone for them. Um, it was a close game. The Rockets got off to a slow start. Uh, Harden and Gordon both like took a while to get heated up and get going. Um, on the other side, uh, Clay Thompson's got an, an injured left ankle. I think it's left. It might be actually. I didn't specifying which foot i'm not sure but one of his ankles is bad and uh luckily a mri returned no structural damage so you know there's a couple of interesting little sub story plots with this thing um durant's been going off this is like fifth game in a row with 30 plus points looks like he he's unbelievable he is unbelievable he passed wilt chamberlain uh for fifth place all-time warriors postseason scoring list in this game so Hmm. that's something else uh, where are you at? What are you thinking? I are you really upset about the refs? Do you no, really think it's a big deal? No, no, I just hate that. That's what we're talking about. Yeah, like this should be the best basketball of the year. Although, if you just look at it, like these teams all whine about the refs. That's just part of the game. Part of the game that I don't like, mm-hmm. but it is part of the game, and and it's something. Uh, there's a new Michael Lewis, the guy who wrote Moneyball. Yeah, has a podcast called uh, I, I forget what it's called. It's about something about fairness and referees. The trouble with the game or something. I, I don't know. He he's been doing press for it. Okay. Um, and the first episode is called "Ref, You Suck," and he dives into the data about NBA officiating, and it's really interesting hmm. and how officiating is better than it's ever been. Yeah, like in any reasonable measured any measurable category right the officiating is better than it's ever been there's less bias for home teams against road teams according to the nerdy stats yes according to the science and the statistics right not based on a like feeling and that players don't complain at the refs as much as they used to but the players that do complain to the refs are the superstars and the superstars complain more than they ever have because they have the most lobbying power right and when you're watching this series where the Warriors have four all-stars and three guys that yell at the refs all the time and Draymond, Steph, and uh, and Durant. Mm-hmm. And then you look at the Rockets and Harden lobbies the officials all the time and CP3 is a psycho and is yelling at officials he nonstop. He is a psycho. And D'Antoni yells at the officials and Kerr loses his mind and yells at the officials. Kerr's actually pretty good, but continue. Uh, Kerr is... He actually was interviewed in this thing. Yeah. And he talks about how... like. Steve Kerr could be president of the United States. Like, he's a statesman. He's well-spoken. He's very well-spoken. He's very thoughtful. But when officiating goes wrong, he even he admits he loses his fucking mind. And he says things to these people that he wouldn't say, and he just goes fucking crazy. Yeah, but that's part of the job. Like, your job is to get in their head and get them to call on your behalf. Like, make calls in favor of that your team. That may be true, but my, my whole point is just, just it kills a lot of the aesthetic pleasingness of watching these as games. As a fan. As a fan. I can, I when after agree. every time there's a whistle, both teams lose their fucking mind. Especially and I know people a, are going to say, oh, you're a Spurs fan. You saw Tim Duncan do that thing where he opened his eyes like yeah. they look like baseballs every time a foul got called on him. Yeah, but 
there's something about the way the Rockets, and we talked about it a little bit, the Rockets-Utah series, these guys are just, every call was like the, the world was ending. So I'm a Rockets teams. fan, so th- my, this particular point isn't, isn't relevant to this particular matchup. But in general, I like the NBA, like almost every matchup. I'm watching every single playoff series game. When I don't have a, a vested rooting interest and I see two different teams who I don't necessarily am, am pulling for one or the other, when I'm watching them really go at the refs, it's, there's just, it's not an enjoyable product. Like It's not good like for the, the mass entertainment. Like, yes, if it's my... your team bitching about the refs and it's your team, well, then you can kind of get behind that. And like, there's less of a, it's less annoying. Yeah, but when you're just, just watching so as a general consumer, like it's a pain in the ass and to the, watch that shit. And the bigger issue with me in this series is these teams are going to score a million points. They're going to make shots. They're going to do incredible things. The basketball should be the most aesthetically pleasing of any game. Yeah. And all of the complaining just really ruins it for me. Uh, at least in part. Yeah. And I mean the more competitive it's going the more competitive of a matchup and you know the the more powerful the star power is on each side like just the more bitching you're going to get and that's just this is what it is the apex of that shit. Yeah. And and that's where we are and I I'm, yep. I'm upset about it. At least Boogie's it. not then, out and there. And then of Boogie'd course, be like stra- strangling motherfuckers yeah, that's right true. now. And then of course in game one we've got some controversial calls mm-hmm. and so that's going to be the only story. I mean I don't watch fucking first take and I don't care what Stephen A says. You can guarantee But if you screaming. turned it on right now I guarantee he's screaming about officiating and that just sucks for the league. Like we I put should be it on talking for about like, the performance of the players. I put it on for like three minutes this morning to eat breakfast and by like the fifth minute there had been no like commercial breaks nothing. It had just been Stephen A screaming and I didn't know he had not made a single point or made a statement of fact. He was just yelling. He, was just I, he wasn't yelling. even mad he was yelling about it. And by the time it was over, I was like, I'm stressed out, and I need to like go stand outside in the silence for a minute and clear my brain. So It's really amazing that so many people choose to start their day with Stephen A. It's fucking stressful. It, it, it just gives me a... Yeah, I agree. That's it's, anxiety it's ridden. Peace, it's not a peaceful... It's like the opposite of uh, CBS... Uh, Sunday morning, yeah, when they're talking real, where there's like soothing. slow music and yeah. soothing, soothing voices and nature and shit. Yeah, it's just Stephen A. yelling, just getting you angry to start your day. I, I don't really understand it. Although I do get angry on this podcast and people listen to it. Anyway, let's uh, let's move on. I, I actually before we move on, I will say this: I feel if I'm a Rockets fan, I feel fine. Me too. I feel bet almost better. Uh, I mean, obviously you want to win the game, uh, but. The with uh, Steph was had a banged up ankle at the end of the last series. Yeah, so now he's still a little bit off too. Now we've got you've got uh, uh, Thompson's injured. Yeah, Clay is is banged up a little bit, and that happened in the end of the uh, Clippers series as well. So like these are both injuries that they played through last and night, and these are going to linger. And I mean, this is going to be a long series. Uh, the the hey, crazy my question thing, is is the yeah. is the technical on. CP3, does that have any lingering effect? I don't think it does, right? It, it could potentially. But uh, nothing like immediate. Like, he would have to get it in the tech or something like that. Like, right. No, or unless they it were doesn't like. affect him next game. Unless they, like, looked deeper into the video and saw that he made contact with the ref, which I think is what some of this discussion's about. So if oh, there I is something that. like that, then that could be a problem. But for the most part, yeah, this He's is what the He's not going to be suspended right away. I think there's a certain number of tees that if you get over the course of the playoffs, you get suspended. Right. But that's correct. Anyway, it was. Um, it was it was entertaining until it wasn't. And if you're a Rockets fan and Harden goes four for sixteen from three and Gordon goes four for thirteen from three and you lose by four points at Golden State, you're okay. Like this isn't the end of the world. Yeah. Every all your players are still healthy. Golden State's still a little bit shook. You haven't even gone home yet to make your home stand. 
I, I'm feeling just fine as a Rockets fan right now. So yeah, that's we'll talk about at. the betting odds uh, here in a minute. But there's some value. We'll just say there's some value in the Rockets. Hmm. The only other thing that I'd say about this series is Kevin Durant is unfair, and it just makes me angry that he's on the Warriors. Like it, it, this just because he's so fucking good. And I know that this isn't like they've won two championships in the two years he's been there. And this is the third year and they're they're favorite to win the championship again. And I know this is just lame that I'm harping on on how cowardly it was to go to the best team in basketball. But it was cowardly to go to the best bas- team in basketball. If he ends up at the Knicks, though, then that's like the opposite. I'm all in on him to the Knicks. So here's a quote for you. Durant said he was just, quotes, just tailor-made for the moment, I guess. I'm starting to put everything together on both sides of the ball, he added. Which sounds like a total cocksucker statement, really. Yeah, it's like, I, I'm pretty, it's a good thing I'm here because I'm saving the fucking day. Basically. The other thing, though, which is, is true. In the Clippers series, they picked on him on defense. Like, mm-hmm. when Lou Will's bringing up the ball, like, he was pointing out whoever Durant was guarding. He was like, come scream me, get that man on me, I'm going to cross him, I'm going to abuse him. And he really did. Like, there was times when Durant almost like went on ice skates and fell down. Yeah. So, yeah, you put it all together, but you're not as good as you, like, Come on now, like Durant's don't always say some been shit like a, that. a really underrated off-ball defender. Yeah, uh, because he's so long, and he, he can block come shots. across and block shots. Yeah, defensive paint well. But you're right. The Clippers really uh, tried to exploit him one on one, and I would assume the Rockets, although the the Rockets play such a different game, like they just don't fuck with screens at all. They just let Harden go. He yeah. doesn't need a switch. He can kill whoever he's being guarded. And by. if you help off, then he hits you. And the then man. yeah, exactly. And so he it's throws like a lob to just the guys inside. calling yeah. for the screen, waste time. Just let him go. Uh, all right, so there's the Rockets Warriors. Awesome series. It's gonna be so fun. Man. I sure hope so. Yeah, I, I just hope that it's not. Next all game's about Tuesday the night, tomorrow night. Yeah, uh, Celtics killed the Bucks in Milwaukee in Game One yesterday as well. One twelve ninety. Kyrie went for twenty six and eleven. Uh, Giannis went only seven for twenty one from the field. He scored twenty two points, and shockingly had a minus twenty four plus minus, which is crazy. The worst on the entire team. Uh, this wasn't good if you're a Milwaukee fan. Yeah. And, you know, we've been waiting all year for the Celtics to really come together and show the promise they had last year again. That's another team that was one game from the finals and then got two good players back, including their best player in Kyrie. And they just haven't had it together. Is it possible that they're putting it all together and look like a juggernaut? Yes, that is quite possible. And, like, the the star of this game, the the key player in this game was Al Horford, who who – guarded Giannis the whole game um he had a pretty impressive stat line as well but his defense was just out like out of this world on uh, he, he there was like multiple highlights where he either blocked him or blocked him twice in one one um attempt by, uh, by Giannis so yeah he, oh, yeah that he really, was not crushing uh that, highlight of the weekend it was quite embarrassing but who cares man like that's part of Giannis's game he embarrasses people every night he's gonna get embarrassed sometimes like that's part of this game if you're gonna be physical and go in and dunk on people and throw up floaters and like be seven feet tall and super fast and springy like there's going to be days when this happens he's not always been great like he's still very young i think it was just an off night for him it happens man like he's got plenty of time the to bounce question back question becomes can milwaukee bounce back because this team never has they've never this is the first year they've been a favorite been like a legitimate contender yeah and they've never been behind they they've you know swept the In first series year. Yeah, right. I mean this group. Do you think they're they've never really faced adversity when they when they were a meaningful you know championship team? Do you think they have what it takes to bounce back and and Absolutely. kill the Celtics in game two and then yes. go get one in in Boston? But the thing is, 
the next game is the most important game for them. Like they can't go down two and then go to Boston and expect to win five straight. Like it's just not going to happen. Yeah. So they must win. And then the other thing is their point guard, uh, Brogdon, who is rookie of the year in 2017, had a really good season. Uh, he's been out since March 13th. He's expected or hope they're hoping he'll be back in game three. So they must win t- this next game. Like this is the most important game for them. They they have no prayer of winning if they don't are coming out of the series on top if they don't win this next game. When they get that their point guard back, which who I think Brogdon's a, a vital piece to them. Um he he not only on the offensive side that he helps bring the ball up and all that, but defensively, like somebody on Kyrie that can really like lock down and be have that be his job. Like Bledsoe's a really good defender, but he's a little bit older. They need him to score. Like they need him to be able to shoot. They need him to not be exhausted chasing Kyrie all over the place because you got to chase Kyrie. So you know, like there's just a couple of things to consider there. Like it, you must have Brogdon back and healthy, which is a a really a long shot to ask for. And before you even get that, you must win at home game two, and we'll see kind of how they react. I think the Giannis bounces back like I think he takes this so seriously I think he's as prepared as any player in the league every night in and night out you have off nights he had an off night we'll see where are you at Uh, I think you're right I also think I would not be surprised if Kyrie comes out and gets 45 next game not at all and just decides I'm winning this fucking game but I don't think he's one of the thing Kyrie's one of the five guys in the NBA who like I like to call him like Carmelo used to be this guy yeah where it was like he'll get you one like his team will never get swept because he will show up one game and score enough points to make sure that they win no matter if they're the eight seed facing a one seed or in this case they're the the four seed facing the one like they already got game one and he didn't dominate Kyrie could come out and just pull his cock out and score 50 and win this game and bury bury the Bucs. I wouldn't be surprised if that happened. I'm not sure that that's the best thing for the Celtics because I think they've got a balanced enough attack for that to kind of fuck them up. Like, they've got enough good players where he doesn't have to do that. For for Milwaukee to have to go into this defensive game plan and to know that he's capable of it is something that, something else entirely. But if he goes off for 50, I'm not so sure how good that is for Boston like and for these young players who are just basically standing on the wing going cold every every other offensive possession so all that being said what's what you mean what 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 I take that to mean at least what you were saying is that if the game's tied and there's 20 seconds left you could count on Kyrie to score in that situation if he needs to you could you can he's a very high percentage game closer I just think I think he's gonna I, I think you're right it may not be the right thing for Boston, but I can see him coming out and saying, sure. I'm going to be Kobe. I'm going to be the fucking hero in game two. I'm going to put the team on my back, and we'll see how it works. He was All certainly right. the best player in the last game, so we'll see how it goes. Besides Tatum, obviously, the defensive efforts yeah. of Tatum. Was, I'm saying Tatum. Well, there, I don't mean Tatum. I mean Horford, Horford. Pardon me. All right. Well, let's uh, before we move on to tonight's games, uh, let's talk just for a minute about the Saturday game. Saturday, Toronto. Went up one nothing on the 76ers at home. Kawhi went for 45, I think, and he totally dominated. He's a monster, man. He is playing as well as he's ever played before, which is horrifying because the dude is incredible. He is like a robot. He is so dominating on both ends of the floor, and he just never makes any mistakes. For me, he reminds me, and people are going to go crazy, it's – he reminds me of Michael Jordan in the way that he is so fundamentally sound 
MJ did all these flashy things. MJ was probably like a more explosive jumper, maybe a better athlete than than Kawhi. But the way that Michael and Michael was more creative offensively, maybe right. But he never ma- he was he was very low on turnovers. He never made mistakes fundamentally. And and I see what you're saying. Just uh, like. The way they that don't Kawhi look aesthetically does this, similar, they don't have the same. Package. His game is much more robotic, where Michael's was more fluid. But they don't. They make the same. Not they don't make the same mistakes. Does that make sense? I think what you're trying to say is that they arrive at the same outcome, which is a very high percentage shot, a very like lockdown defensive package. They've got like they basically ha- provide a similar formula to their team's effort that makes their team that much greater. Obviously Michael Jordan's the best of all time and Kawhi has a long way to go to even be close to consider that. But like I see what you're saying in the sense that what he brings to the table for any team that he's on is uh, uh, intangible. That's hard to argue with. Like he's just really fantastic. Just really dominating. And if you haven't been paying attention, it's time he's back. He looks as healthy as he's ever been. He's figured out the game. The game has slowed down for him. He's a monster. He and such the a Seventy Sixers, for all the the talent they have, uh, Jimmy Butler can't guard Kawhi. Nobody they have can stop. He'd Kawhi be the best suited to do so. I think the other really big matchup is Gasol versus Embiid. I think that that's an interesting factor. And Gasol has like came out early in the season was one of the best players in the league. Yeah, he slowed down mid to late season. I think he's back, man. Well, like he, he also looks played, really healthy. He also played really well against Embiid mm. uh, this season Early when in he was in, uh, in Memphis. Right. That was one of the teams that stopped Embiid the best was Memphis back when, when uh, Marc Gasol was there. So, A couple of interesting matchups that are really vital to the, the outcome of this game both look to be like not necessarily favoring the 76ers in, in the case of the Gasol versus Embiid, but the fact that they've got somebody who can at least stand up to him that's pretty interesting. Yeah. And then they've also got uh, like the matchup between Tobias Harris versus uh, Pascal Siakam. That's a very Siakam interesting matchup. Siakam's just out of control right now. He's just impresses me more and more. Well, right and, now, so. you know, we talked earlier about how the Bucks haven't really faced adversity. The 76ers are not a team that operates well against in an adversity situation. Yeah. And they're, I would be. The way that they got dominated in game one, I would anticipate they're going to go back home down 2-0 and be nervous. Yeah. Uh, but we'll see. We'll get to that later. Last little note, having Sergi Baca and Fred Van Vliet come off the bench as two like, premier defensive units to replace your, your starting lineup, not many teams have that type of flexibility. And, and So I, I don't know, man. These they, uh, The Raps look good, man. They look really, really good. And they came out. This is game one. We were expecting them to lay an egg, and they... They punched That's these true. That's true. That's always been their kryptonite. They've now won five in a row. So it's good. Uh, the other game Saturday, the game seven, Spurs in, at Denver. Uh, Denver won the game, I believe, by four points. The first half was terrible basketball. Uh, neither team could make a three. I think I mean, it was just awful. But the second half, the Spurs did make a comeback. Uh, they missed shots at the end, and they made stupid strategy mistakes, including not fouling at the end of the game. That's been, you know, if you watch that or inside the NBA, that was – harped on over and over again but really they just didn't make shots at the end of the game Rudy Gay was the only guy who really came to play for the Spurs he had a great series especially in the first half Denver was shaky down the stretch they tried to give this game away I mean they played very poorly in the second half 
and um, nobody shot well. Nobody on either team shot well, yeah. especially from three. The Spurs went six for twenty-three. Denver went two for twenty. Three-point shooting was pathetic in this game. Which, you know, if one of if either team had shot well from three-point line, that's a game-changing difference, obviously. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's yeah, like you have to give Denver credit. They they it was a seven. The only sure thing they got is Jokic, Jokic, and some of their players are so trick or treat, like up and down, coming from nowhere, like. If they show up, they're really fucking good. And if they don't, it's all on on Jokic, and he can't dribble the ball up. So like for him to facilitate, it just well, requires he can, so much. But not every time. Uh, not well. Yeah, it's uh, shouts to Denver, I guess. Uh, crushing for me as a Spurs fan because Kawhi was playing in the game before and going for forty five points. Yeah, he this Spurs been team a is championship maker. caliber with Kawhi. Without Kawhi, they're just dead. They're a first round. They're a seven seed, and they're going to lose in the first round. Uh, even when DeMar plays well, DeMar DeRozan is is 65% of the player Kawhi is. Kawhi is, is a legit top five player in the league. And and the drop-off between where he is and the you know an above-average two-guard, which is, what, it is just so big. And it's kind of heartbreaking. Plus, do they Danny still Green's need to? Uh, well. Do the Spurs need to resign DeRozan now? Is that what the next step in the process is? Uh, I think they still got him back for another year or two. I okay. may be wrong. Um, something to look forward to yeah it's tough the Spurs just aren't they're not championship quality without Kawhi Leonard and to see him be back and healthy and his uncle isn't shutting them down it's just kind of heartbreaking so uh, that's uh, I mean I I know people are listening the Spurs made the playoffs 22 times 22 years in a row and people can't bitch about the Spurs I mean some of those dudes came up out of the D-League and fucking good like they might just end got, up being they, good again they've got DeJounte Murray coming back next yeah they year had some key players looking go healthy on Instagram and and uh you know uh Derek White looks like a he looks like a player he, he looks, looks like a, a real legitimate man. piece moving forward so anyways the uh the Nuggets uh advance to meet the Trailblazers and that series tips we'll get to that in a tonight. minute that's yeah. tonight uh yeah we're gonna get to the games tonight but before we do we should mention that Backdoor Cover is brought to you by Burrow. Burrow is rethinking how people shop and live with their th- their furniture by making high-quality sofas that are customized online, ship for free in one week, and set up in minutes. No need to go to the furniture store, the, one of the worst places on earth. We always talk about how terrible mattress shopping is. Furniture shopping is like one degree worse, or maybe one degree better, but still terrible. It's a terrible place. And you don't need to do that with Burrow. Burrow also offers scratch and stain resistant uh, furniture that adapts to your life. So you can live your life totally worry free. There's nothing worse than being in a furniture store, fretting, picking out a couch you really want, spending more money than you were expecting, and then getting it home and spilling a glass of wine on it and ruining it forever. That won't, will not happen with Burrow. The other thing, Burrow is smart stuff. It's built with a USB charger, so you never even have to get up. I like how you call it smart stuff. Smart stuff. Yeah. It's a sofa that it, grows it's with It's a smart you. sofa. Smart sofa. Burrows are easy to set up and disassemble. You can also make it bigger at any time. That's or like make the it most smaller. important part to me is being able to take a, a sofa apart so you can get it in and out your door if you're moving around, whatever, like if you're apartment liver yeah, if or you, if, if, you if you haven't bought a home. Your next apartment may be smaller. You yeah. just never know. There's, I know there's a lot of people out here in their 20s. You move every year. This is this is a challenge. Not with Burrow, my friends. Easy to put together, easy to take apart. The best part about Burrow, they're designed for comfort. Exactly 17 inches off the ground because that's the average height from the bottom of a person's foot to the back of their knee. They customize every detail. Uh, you can customize your pillows. 
you can compromise your sofa with four unique pillow collections. Plus, you can pick a style and mix or, mix or match mid-century, bohemian, industrial, rustic, soft, hand-woven furniture covers, uh, and plush inserts. Anything you want, Burrow is the place. Don't go furniture shopping without going to burrow.com slash backdoor to get started, okay? Burrow was recently named one of the best inventions of 2018 by Time Magazine, and you can get 75% off your award-winning Burrow sofa by visiting burrow.com slash backdoor. That's burrow, B-U-R-R-O-W, dot com slash backdoor, one word, to get $75 off your order. Thanks again uh, to our friends at Burrow for supporting the show. All right, let's talk about tonight's games. Uh, the 76ers and Raptors, uh, again, in Toronto. Raptors are seven-point favorites. Drake, I'm sure, will be there. The over-under is 220. Uh, you know, can the 76ers respond? And if they don't, do they totally self-destruct, I think, is the big storyline head into this game. I think the, the Drake storyline is going to become more and more prevalent as the uh, as the Raps per- proceed through the tournament, through the uh, playoffs, I should say. Um he had some good FaceTime there. Uh, he always gets good up. FaceTime. I saw someone he had, was on, dressed ridiculously. Did you see how yes, he was dressed? Yes, I saw someone on Twitter is. had uh, had FaceTimed a photo of uh, the White Walk. Or the, what's the guy who got killed last night? The Night King. Quit your spoiler bullshit. Okay, the guy who got killed last night on his face, or that person's face. Well, the spoiler's over. On uh, on <laughs> the Drake's Night King's chest. Yeah, the Night King's face on Drake's chest because of the, you know. The Curse of Drake. I, th- I found that quite humorous. Anyway, uh, who do you like tonight? Seven-point favorite uh, for the Raptors at home. I feel good about the Raptors at home, man. I think I do, too. Yeah, and I like the matchup of Embiid versus um, Gasol, as we had kind of talked about. I like Siakam versus um, Harris. You know, we'll see. Seven if- seems like a lot, but I don't I don't know. I don't gamble on, on NBA uh, playoffs very often, but if you... Subscribe to the zigzag, zig, the zigzag theory, which would be the ups and downs, like every game. Yeah, is. whoever whoever uh, whoever wins, the has team the that advantage. loses the first game is more likely to cover in game two than you could be on the Sixers. I I just think the Raptors are, uh, they're better. The Raptors are better, and and they've got a higher ceiling, and they've got a, the best player in the series. Yeah, we'll see. So, and we'll also, see. I mean, Simmons versus Lowry is interesting, and because Simmons is so much taller, but Lowry is like a little bowling ball. Like you can't post that full up, even though he's not that tall. Um, we'll see. Yeah, Simmons really kind watch. of the 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 other unknown factor. Like he could show up and put up twenty, thirty points and really change the game. So we'll see. I got. I like Toronto in this. The game. other game tonight: Portland at Denver. Nuggets are a four point favorite. Uh, I have the odds for the entire series here. The over under is two sixteen. Uh, Nuggets are a minus one forty five favorite to win the series. Really. Uh, Portland is plus one twenty five, so not a whole lot of value there. If yeah, you like Portland, but they're pretty evenly matched. Is what Vegas. I mean, say. Portland obviously played better in in the first series, really crushing OKC's nuts. Dame, and uh, I mean, I think that might be a bit of a surprise because they were so hot that they are a slight underdog here. You have any thoughts on this series in general and game one? I just don't think Denver hangs with them unless they can hit threes, and like we said, their guard play has just been so up and down, and like. <laughs> You know, if they show, then that's good. But if Lillard and McCollum come out and just start blasting threes like they've done for the last four, however many games in a row they did versus yeah, what was it, five games? They five won games in the fifth. OKC. If that's the way that this goes, you can't keep up with two pointers versus somebody who's scoring with threes like that. And especially if your guys are not making shots, like if it's all on Jokic to kind of get the offense going, 
I just think it's too much of an uphill battle for them. So I, I've kind of am leaning towards the Trailblazers for the series. Um, we'll see, man. Maybe it's a completely different unit that comes out for the Nuggets, and that that Spurs defense is, you know, it's a there's a reason they've been good for so long. They're always good at defense. So I mean, maybe that's that's the big thing that really held uh, the the Nuggets guards in check. So I think that it really is a, a, in the balance between that that guard play um so you know that's where i'm at where are you at uh, i agree with all of that yeah. i i think denver is a better team uh they're deeper Jokic but as is you definitely mentioned, the way the, the way the most interesting player of them all yeah the way that this team in from portland is just bombing threes and the way dame is playing right now it's scary you also have to think Denver just had a tough seven-game series. Yeah, they they've never won a series before. This is the first series for most of these play, these Nuggets uh, to get past the Spurs in seven, and then have to come back two nights later. Uh, and I mean, thankfully for them, they're at home again, so they didn't have to travel on top of it. But that's kind of a tough turnaround. Definitely, uh, you know, there's always the the advantage for Denver being at altitude. Denver lost game one against the Spurs in, in the in the first series. Right. I, I don't know where where to lean on this. I think whoever wins game one is going to win the series. Because you do. Because if Portly can come in and steal game one, that's that's going to be tough. Uh, I think I like Denver to win yeah. the series, though. So the one other I, little I just interesting think Denver's better. And over the course yeah. of a seven-game series, the better team normally wins. The one and both teams are pretty uh, much healthy except for... Portland has lost their big man with about a, a couple weeks to go in the Which season. Which is what I was going to talk about. Yeah. His name is Yusuf Nurkic, and he actually came from Denver. He was starting over, uh, well, I guess he played in tandem with Jokic. with Jokic. And then eventually Jokic came off the bench and relieved Nurkic. It's hard to say their names back-to-back. Anyhow, they ended up trading Yusuf Nurkic to Portland because they wanted to feature Jokic in their offense. And so, unfortunately, Nurkic is hurt, uh, like you had just said. Uh, He's out for the season. Um, But he was really like a game-changing player for them. So uh, we'll kind of see how that all plays out. But, um, yeah, I'm pretty excited about this one, actually. Two contrasting styles of basketball really kind of colliding. I mean, I'd like to see Denver continue to, like, succeed after such a strong season. In that same vein, I'd like to see Portland continue to advance because of how many woes they've overcome over the last couple of years in the playoffs, especially that that dumpster fire shit they took on the floor versus uh, the Pelicans last year. So, some interesting things. We'll see how it goes. We'll be watching. Other uh, series odds, by the way, the Raptors are now a big favorite to win their series, minus 450. Wow. Which is significant. What, are, what is, what's the payout for the 76ers? Is there value there? The 76ers payout, actually. I'm sure there is, though. We'll look into that and talk about it in the next one. Well, you could look into it now if we wanted to. The Bucks are still favored. Uh, after Even after losing game one, they're still a minus 130 favorite. 110 if you like the Celtics. Not a whole lot of value for a team that won game one, but still value on the Bucks if you're, if you're on them. The other big value play here, the Warriors are a minus 450 favorite. The Rockets are three plus are plus three twenty five. So wow. if if you subscribe to the fact the Rockets are going to win game two, uh, now's the time to get the value there plus three twenty five underdog. I would assume that uh, that the Raptors are uh, that they're minus four fifty to win. So it's probably plus three twenty five on the other side. If you uh, if you want to go on the 76ers. also value there, I guess, but. 
I don't know. That 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 one looks different. Uh let's move on. Onward. Okay. Uh let's talk about the NFL draft. Let's do this. The NFL draft, of course, hosted in Nashville. We talked about round one on Friday's episode, if you care to listen to that. Again, we are not Mel Kuyper or Todd McShay. We are not draft experts. We, will we not don't have an a, a algorithm. But I did find shit. myself watching quite a bit of the draft on over the course of the weekend. Which broadcast did you watch? Uh, so on Saturday, okay. I was watching ABC. Which is the one that's like drama. That's it, the one that's it wasn't, like a, and actually Friday I watched some... ABC uh, too, but it wasn't really as drama. Dramatic. It was different, but they were. It was College Game Day were, were the hosts. So well, it was, it that's was a good hosting. Branded as College Game Day on ABC, hmm. and so Reese Davis and and the guy. What uh, what's the the guy from Ohio State who's been on the uh, Herb Street and Reese oh, Davis and I was like having a hard time following what you're saying. Yeah, Kirk and that Kirk crew uh, were there. So it wasn't, and they did a couple features that were tossing up to uh, Maria uh, Taylor, who was with uh, The Bachelor, Jesse Palmer. Okay. And so they were doing a couple features, but it wasn't over the top. I was expecting it was it like to be. It was like family features about the players. Yeah, like but it wasn't. Background and history. Ex- I was expecting them to toss like five minute features. Yeah. They were like each like a few. 60 seconds. Yeah. So it wasn't a whole lot of that. And it it didn't look noticeably. I mean, it was a little bit different, but it wasn't that much different. Sure. I was flipping forth to ESPN too. Uh, ESPN also, you know, they had Mel Kiper and they do a little more X and O talk, but sure. they were doing a lot of X and O talk on ABC too. So, um, I, I just I don't understand. It's basically why. one's a pro package and one's a college package. Uh, but I mean, of. they're talking was, about the same thing. Yeah, it's, it's it, players getting drafted to the NFL, so it's hard to make it, it that was, much different. It was interesting. It was. I, I don't understand why. I guess it's just like we're going to spend all this money to set up these sets. And to have all these camera people there, we're going to use the data. We might or all the all the because a lot of the video that they were using was the same on both. Yeah, and they were just. I guess it's like we use these assets. We might as well broadcast. It well, twice. and it also makes sense from the perspective if you're trying to get a college fan base interested in how the draft process works because they're already invested yeah, in the but players they didn't, they didn't and they really, like those hosts. Like they those didn't hosts really people they brand it that way beforehand. I like, wonder I, if no they did like kn- on the Instagram and all the shit with the hosts. I don't think and stuff. so because I follow College Game Day and they never. It, it hmm. wasn't clear to me when we were talking on Friday that it was going to be one was going to be college game day and the other was going to be NFL. I bet that was their strategy and they didn't and they fully didn't. vet it out. Yeah. Interesting, though. Well, whatever it is, uh, it worked because Nashville delivered the most watched and highest rated draft in history, uh, supplanting record breaking numbers from a year ago in Dallas, while also shattering attendance figures with greater than 600,000 fans watching it live. That was the fucking craziest thing to hmm. me. And we'll I'll get back to the ratings here in a second, but the number of people that are just hanging out in the street in Nashville. There's six hundred thousand people in attendance. It was over the course of three days. Okay, but they claim they had like four hundred thousand the first day. It was unbelievable, and they they had all these drones flying up and back, and there's just thousands of people standing in the street. What are you fucking people doing? Yeah, what's wrong with you? It was boring. I mean, it, I just don't understand it. And then the other thing they do in the NFL draft, which is always hilarious to me, is they have like a pit in front. Yes. Where they clearly have like 10 fans from all 32 teams and they're all dressed up like assholes. Yeah. Like face painted, yeah. whatever it is. And so as soon as they make a pick, they cut to these people. Yeah. And the best is whenever they select an offensive lineman and the fans are like, okay, <laughs> yeah, all right, cool. Like, I have no idea who uh, the fuck that guy is. He played but, for Alabama? Good. Yeah, all right. Okay, cool. Yeah, we needed that. Great. And they show him cheering. It's, it's such a weird... It's just such a weird television product, but it is strangely, 
it's really a good television product, if that makes sense. I like, think the better product sense. would be to have a camera crew set up in a bar in that city where you just have really drunk people watching. I think that would be a better reaction. Yeah, I, I just don't... I guess less safe for I mean, television. It looked like people weren't drinking in the street in Nashville. Oh, either, I wouldn't. Which would seemed crazy would to me. Be. I, every time they showed a drone shot, you didn't see people drinking big beers. I guess it's beers. like they're trying it to be all family next and all, to all that these shit beers with the NFL. Are next to all these bars... I don't know. It was weird. If anybody was in Nashville, call our hotline. Tell us what you thought. 800-392-6344. And guess what? What? I know someone who was in Nashville covering the NFL draft for Westwood One Radio. Oh. And he's going to join us on Thursday to talk about it. Oh. Well, we're going to talk about Ross Tucker. Our, I'm, I our can't wait to hear what happened. He, he'll have a full perspective Friend on it. Friend of the pod, Ross Tucker, was there. Ross Tucker was there at the NFL draft. He posted some stuff on Instagram. Uh, and we'll get his perception and his take of what it was like to be there on the road. Uh, this is clearly a success for the NFL. Uh, more numbers here across NFL Network, ESPN, and ABC. Digital, the 2019 draft combined for a 3.39 household TV rating and an average of 6 million viewers, which is amazing for just to hear people get their name called. Uh, across all channels, the draft tele- telecast combined to reach more than 47 million viewers over the three days, which is up 5% from last year. Uh, the 2019 version of the draft also featured broadcast uh, broadcast distribution from NFL Network, ABC, ESPN, ESPN2, ESPN Deportes, along with NFL and ESPN digital properties, uh, which is crazy. Uh, thanks to the collaborative distribution approach. This is a press release from the NFL, by the way. You're not that well-spoken? Yeah. Uh, well, I, I don't speak like a PR person. You're thanks reading to, pretty good. Thanks to the collaborative distribution approach of NFL Media and the Walt Disney Company, the combined rating and viewership grew 11 and 5% respectively. Uh, this is all a long way of saying it's interesting to me from a media perspective yes. that the NFL has just figured out, like, let's just put this out on as many channels as possible. Well, I wonder if part of this is, you remember like a year and a half ago when they decided they were going to cut their sports offering because they were like broad spectrum, every type of sports. ESPN was involved in 100% of every sport ever made, including right. like cricket and shit. And they fired like three fourths of their like random personalities across the world, and really doubled it down on like the the main sports that are interesting to to Americans. Like I know they still do some of the other stuff, but I wonder if this is part of that effort to like really go all in on yeah. football. Like you can watch ESPN for four days and not see a hockey highlight, even in the playoffs. Uh, <laughs> it's true though. I, I think it's for me. It's more interesting that the NFL has made that decision. Like they're like we're gonna spend. I mean, if you you look at the set that they were at, yeah. they took over Nashville. The amount of money they must have had for the screens and for the setup and the construction and all that shit. Was that the NFL's or was that the ESPN? I would assume that NFL and ESPN split that cost. I don't or maybe know how that ESPN, Or maybe NFL shoulders the whole cost and ESPN pays them rights. I don't know exactly how it works. Hmm. It's clear, clearly collaborative. And the, and the NFL clearly said, like, not only are we going to run this on NFL Network and ESPN, Let's do it on ABC. Let's stream it anywhere you can stream it. Let's put it in Spanish. Like, they're clearly like, we're going to spend this money. Let's put it out there as much as we can. I would think ESPN would be responsible for all production aspects of it. Because, like, I mean, they're the paying Network, so much for the NFL the Network product. has their own. Yeah, but they're paying so much for the licensing rights and the product. They're going to want to have control over how it's presented on their shows. Like, I would imagine well, the that NFL they build stages pr- and all that. does their own thing, too, though. Like, they've got their own sh- broadcast. So, it, I think it's a. I mean, I don't know. It Who seems knows? collaborative. We could read. My, 
uh, I don't know if there's answers to this. Mm. The the funny thing to me, of course, is all the bachelorette parties that were ruined because of this. <laughs> uh, because all the giant bar district in Nashville, Nashville being one of the biggest bachelorette destinations in the country, uh, was just clearly shut down by fucking drunk dudes. Well, sober dudes, actually. It sounds like yeah, they didn't or drink. perhaps sober dudes. A bunch of sober families hanging out, ruining your bachelorette party. God, it looked miserable if you were trying to get down and there shit and, running and around. bar hop. Um, You're just trying to take blowjob shots, and there's kids everywhere. Yeah. What are you going to do? In in matching bride, our bride squad. Hashtag squad. Yeah. Tank tops. Tough break for you guys. Uh, (laughs) Again, we're not going to talk a whole lot about draft. The big story of day two, I guess, is maybe, especially for us anyway, Drew Locke being picked by Denver uh, to uh, probably back up new starter uh, Joe Flacco. I'm excited for Drew there. It's a good spot for him to fall. I think it is. They've got a solid defense. They've got like some some players that are on the up and come on the offensive side. Uh, They've got a pretty good management staff. Uh, They need the fucking quarterback like as bad as you possibly could need one in the last couple of years. It's good for Flacco. It's not like yeah, you need you know last year Flacco when they when the Ravens drafted uh, their quarterback whose name escapes me, uh, the guy from Louisville who won the Heisman. Uh, Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson. I was just Lamar up. Jackson's a much different player than Joe Flacco. Uh, he's obviously a guy who runs around and is athletic. Joe Flacco is not. Drew Locke is sneaky athletic, but he's. They're not going to like put Locke in. He's not going to be part of your running package, right? He's not coming in on third downs to run the running package. Where, where? So there's similar that, from types that perspective. Of like he's there to learn from Flacco. Pocket pass. He's probably not going to take Flacco's job unless Flacco is terrible. And so I mean, it's not. There's the not pressure there. I think right? it's an ideal situation for any quarterback to come in to have a couple of years to get used to the league and the travel and their teammates and like. A, like I think specifically from Locke as well. You give him some time because his first two or three years, the offensive line was terrible in the SEC. Uh, he, he got some bad habits throwing. He was playing in a last year. He played in a professional style offense, but in the past it was a very college offense. So you give him a year to learn, and then maybe he's your guy. Uh, the other big story, Josh Rosen was traded to Miami for essentially the last pick of the second round Christ. and a fifth rounder or something. I forget what it was. Uh, How is that the best you can get for him? Yeah, you take the 10th pick in the first round from a year ago, and then you turn it into the 64th overall pick. And uh, I think a fifth rounder, too. And in a time when quarterback is as vital as it gets, like there's so many teams that need a franchise quarterback right now. Well, Miami being one of them. Bill Barnwell uh, from ESPN wrote a piece about what a great deal it was for Miami. That, like, yes, indeed. if he turns in, if he's just an, uh, an average backup, it's a great it's deal. It's still a great because deal. Because how little rookies make on their first contract, right. he's valuable. If he becomes a starter, He's a tremendous savings over something else, and so like there's not any pressure. If he's if he's just a capable backup, then it's a it's a good deal for them. If he turns into a to a starter, it's a great deal because they've got got him on a rookie deal for a while. So it's the easiest sell in America. Like that would have been a good see, deal for anybody that has any yeah, sort it's of. It's weird that nobody else was. would make that move. Even if you have a good quarterback, it would have been a good deal to make for just to have a backup. So did anyways. you see the video that Josh Rosen put out on no, Twitter, Instagram, no. wherever, somewhere on social media? He uh, thanked the fans of Arizona, yeah. and he talked about how excited he was to go to Miami. And then at the end, he said, uh, you know, Kyler Murray, if you need a, a dope two-bedroom condo downtown, uh, there's one hitting the market soon, which I thought was just funny. You think he's got a hot tub in there? Wasn't that his thing in yeah, college? Yeah, he had a hot, hot tub, tub in his dorm? dorm. 
I bet he's got it. He's still carrying that same one. I guarantee there's a place to get a good soak. Uh, <laughs> uh, You're a creep. All right, okay. that, that concludes our NFL draft coverage. Let's talk about golf and the buttercut. The buttercut. Quick recap of last weekend's event. Yes, the Zurich Classic, which uh, if you didn't listen earlier this week, or last week I should say, this was a team edition uh, style of PGA tournament event where two players play together and they do like alternating shot and best ball formats. It's like really unique, different than anything that else that happens all year on the PGA. So the team of John Rahm and Ryan Palmer finished 26 under to take the win. This is the third edition of the Zurich Classic in like a team format. Uh, they coasted to a three-shot victory over Tommy Fleetwood and Sergio Garcia. Um, Rom and Palmer finished Sunday with three birdies on the their final nine holes to kind of cap everything off. Fleetwood and Garcia, who I remind you, finished three shots back. They birdied 17 and 18 on Sunday, but it was just too little too late, obviously. Uh, some other players of note, uh, the Kepka brothers, if you'll remember, uh, Brooks and his brother Chase played together. They finished tied twenty second at sixteen under. Uh, one other group of note: Adam Scott and Jason Day, two of the highest ranked players in the field and two of the highest play- ranked players in the world year in and year out, uh, shot even par for, uh, seventy two Friday and failed to make the cut, which is quite embarrassing. Embarrassing, nuts crush. Yeah, Day's been messed up all year. He's got that back problem. I know you hate Day. I hate Jason Day. I like both of them. I like Adam Scott quite a bit. He's got a beautiful swing. I but do. He's, just he's a, a bit beautiful old. man too. You like that? I'd like to bang Adam Scott if I, I had to bang someone on tour. I I think you should take that statement back and re- recut this segment, but that's okay. I'm gonna let you be you, buddy. All right. Well, that's that's me. If there's any golfers on tour you want to bang, tell us about it. Call our hotline eight hundred three nine two six three four four. 800-392-6344. Um, that's pretty much what we got. Yeah. We don't have any hotline calls for today, but we'll read some on Thursday. We are back uh, with, we've got some good content coming to you this week. We'll just leave it at that. I don't know exactly how many episodes we're going to release or how we're going to do it, but we've got some stuff coming. And some unique personalities, some yeah, different we've got, stuff. We're going to have it's some gonna be guests great. on this week. And uh, like I said, we'll, we'll definitely have an interview with, uh, with Ross uh, Tucker on Thursday, so that look forward to hearing that. We might drop it Friday. We'll see. Anything is possible. Uh, Game of Thrones, uh, you know, that's still happening, so enjoy that, nerds. And, uh, you know, a lot more people watch the NFL Draft than watch Game of Thrones, so get over yourself. And, that cannot uh, be true, Check but in okay. on Mind of Micah coming this week. Good stuff, including some special guests uh, and uh, some Micah's mailbag. Call that hotline, 800-392-6344, if you want to leave a voicemail for that as well. Uh, shouts to Burrow, burrow.com slash backdoor will save you 75 bucks on a, a fucking dope sofa. So get that. It's the move. And for those of you who have uh, left reviews and ratings for us, we very much appreciate you. Uh, those of you who haven't, we'd really, really appreciate it if you would. It helps us out tremendously. Um, we listen. We read every one of them. So. It helps so much more than you think. Leave us five stars and then say terrible things about us. Whatever you want. Uh, Brad, where can people find you on social media? Bradley B. Key on Instagram. Bradley Key, Key on Twitter. Uh, where can they find you, buddy? You can follow me at Micah Weiner, M-I-C-A-H-W-I-E-N-E-R, on Twitter and Instagram. Follow me at MicahTX on Snapchat. And uh, that that that's pretty much all I got. Brad. Yeah, this has been a production. We'll be back later MWBK. this week. MWBK. Yeah, that's right. Creative a and proud sales. production of MWBK Creative and Sales. Very nice. That was my line. You stole it. From I know. Me. I wanted it. You cucked it. Uh, you, that's you've been it. cucked. That's all. Mm, bye-bye.
Thanks for listening.